lovely Friday afternoon. Here we are. How are you going, bud? Going great. Welcome to the 28th episode of Remainders on the day when they decided to retar my roof uh, of my apartment. So if it's a loud one, I apologize. I'm going to do my best to mute our conversation when I'm not talking. Um, but this is a good day because I can't believe we were originally going to cover the movie M and we made a quick last minute change to American movie because it was available to view on um, Criterion. So welcome to American movie on Remainders, the 28th episode. And this is kind of, in my opinion, a tribute episode to Mike Schenck. Yeah, yeah I mean, I'm definitely uh, in support of that. Um, quick question about your roof. You hear it or no? No, no, not at all. But okay. um, are you, I'm just more curious uh, because I've unfortunately never visited your place in uh, California. Um, yeah, what gives? You're on, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I told you I'm lazy, but yeah. um, are you on the top floor? Are you no, just like me? I'm, no, I'm on the lower here. Yeah. So they, okay. they started like earlier this week. So my, my parking space is gone. They, they moved in all the tar into my parking space. So I have to go and like do the, like move my car onto the road. And then like they do the street sweeping. So then I got to move it somewhere else. Um, it's, it's, it's like the biggest hassle in the world, but it's okay. Trying to find the positive in it all. Um, at some point we'll have a new roof and, you know, maybe I'll get some saving a couple cents saving on my uh, heat bill or, or air conditioning bill at some point, you know? uh yeah i just got uh, a new amazon box uh in our apartment foyer so i'm pretty excited about that that's my update uh, i don't think we have a new roof or anything although we did have a pretty we had a pretty windy day here in chicago uh, an actual windy day not political and um it was there was something that was hanging off of our roof and i i, I couldn't hear from my from my unit but like when i went outside there was like this banging against somebody's actual like window and I could like see it happening. And it was, uh, I felt pretty bad for them. Yeah. But I was grateful it wasn't happening to me. So it was like a record, it was like a record windy day. It was like 70 miles per hour, uh, wind that day. So. Right. Windy, but not the political kind. Um, it happens too. you know, Chicago actually is a windy city at times. And I, I don't, I don't forget that. Right now, I'm imagining that you guys are probably experiencing, what, 40-degree weather? Uh, it's snowing right now. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. Well, there's that, yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, I'm all for it, though. I went out running this morning uh, in, the, in the cold. It wasn't snowing then, but uh, I like the masochistic runs sometimes early in the, in the um, season. So there's I won't be doing that cold. Yeah, there's something about that cold that really like hits you well when you're like running. Like it gives a, it's like more of a breathable. Um, oh, yeah. It's, thing, it's yeah. the best. That's the best yeah. type of running. I mean, either when it's really cold or really hot, uh, that's definitely my favorite time to kind of go outside and running because the, uh, the cool down period of that is always the best part of it. So, yeah. Well, like I said, when we started uh, the conversation here, I, I, I'm just excited. I, I, I was kind of like ready to roll right into this because, you know, American movie was one of the greatest movies that I've seen um, when I was younger. And I was looking at the date on it and I was thinking like, what was happening in, in movie land at the time this came out? 1999. So think about it, like the American pies and all of those kind of, you know, uh, <laughs> great soundtrack to your youth movies. And then you've got somewhere in there 
Roger Ebert telling us to go see American movie, which I did. And I'm glad I did. And I had mentioned earlier that it's a tribute to Mike Shank because Mike Shank just passed away. One of the characters in the movie, not the characters, it's, it's a documentary. So one of the actual people on the film who is uh, the main uh, filmmakers, best friend in, in the film. He passed away about a month ago in October. So I did want to give a tribute to him because he's just so great in this film. The film um, in many ways I feel is like for all of us, for all of us who are trying to, to get out of like, you know, our hometown and we have big dreams and we want to make uh, make something of our lives uh, despite all of the bills that are piling on and all the crazy challenges that we face all day. I think this movie is for all of us. I love that. I mean, I was excited to hear uh, your take on it because I knew you were a fan of this movie, but I know, I don't think we've ever talked about it. Um, so I, I was definitely familiar with this film in the Suncoast days when we were working there in the early 2000s. I remember people asking for it pretty quickly and it just wasn't really on my radar other than that. And so I didn't see this until maybe like 15 years ago, um, maybe even a little bit later, maybe like 2009, 2010. And I was like blown away. I was like, I can't believe I waited 10 years to watch this for the first time. And uh, yeah, I definitely echo everything you said about that. It is just kind of that unique uh, story um, of an American dream that is pretty, I mean, it's, it's not like um, saccharine in any way. Like this guy... <laughs> I mean, and we can get definitely get into it, but uh, whether or not um, his dreams are actually going to be coming true, I think uh, is debatable uh, in the film. And I was, just, and I'm hoping to get your uh, take on that. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, so Mike Shank, yeah, he passed away. He was 53. Um, just passed away last uh, month, and yeah, I mean, it was. There are a lot of people who were. Uh, noting this, um, like notable directors. I know Edgar Wright uh, was uh, tweeting about his passing quite a bit because he was a huge fan of this movie, understandably so, because of his uh, kind of uh, do-it-yourself uh, beginnings. And um, and yeah, it was definitely, it was good to see that like his presence was like so beloved by so many people. Yeah, isn't that the funny thing? It's like you make a movie about like not being very good <laughs> or having the passion to do something. Um, but you know, you, you don't have a budget, you don't have, but all you gotta use your friends to help you. I mean, in many cases, this is a story, like I said, of all of us, like every mu music video I've done, you know, let's pull the guy over here who can be the DP, who can hold the camera, who can, you know, rent the gear and bring it in their van. Uh, who's got the skateboard that could be the dolly. Like that's the story of all of us when you're starting out um, or you don't have any money, you got to do what you can. And I, he, he's like that. And then so many, so when I say he, we haven't said the, the main person, the main focus of this is uh, Mike Borchardt, I believe is how you pronounce his name, uh, Borchardt, right? Sounds right. Yeah, I, they don't really say his last name too much, but his name's Mark and he lives in Wisconsin, which is a Midwest guy. And it feels obviously very Midwest. You know, you've got that. They're wearing the Green Bay Packers hats in this. They're talking about it. At one point, the Green Bay Packers win the Super Bowl in the most amazing juxtaposition of winners versus losers in the town and how he and how Mark feels about that. 
um, when they win the Super Bowl and when he's drunk, you know. Uh, that was definitely my kind of Super Bowl party with Mark getting drunk and uh, Rez and everybody. So <laughs> totally. And being like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be like just like you, mom, floating around the kitchen, you know, like and he's really just kind of drunk and spouting off, which I've been there before when you're frustrated. You know, there's a lot of frustration in this that you want to get past where you are, he constantly is talking about, you know, I'm not going to end up, this is not going to be my life. Or he looks at the older generation, um, like his uncle, of course, that we'll talk about. And his uncle has money that he needs to borrow from, but he's always asking him, what did you do with your life? You know, are you giving up now that you're older? And it's so interesting the way that the characters in this film look at each other, because they can, it kind of mirrors where their future might go or what they want, but they can't achieve, like what I'm saying with the uh, Super Bowl, with the, the Packers and stuff. But, you know, it's easy to just sit there and be angry, but it also inspires you, right? All of these things make you want to work hard at it. And a lot of times, even in the movie itself, it's at, the question is asked, do you think Mark is going to do it? Do you think he's going to break through? And everybody's response is li- his parents. Everybody's literally, I don't think so. It's hard. It's not going to happen but it's like he's not hearing any of that you know he's got the blinders on and um i don't know it's like reality mixed with the dream you know there's a lot of people out here in la that wish that they could uh make their dreams come true when they come out here and sadly that's that just doesn't happen to everybody right yeah that uh, definitely touches on one thing that i've uh that i noticed that i think is makes this movie stand out and it's the midwestern uh, sensibilities in it. Uh, it's obviously set in Milwaukee, uh, but it is kind of that. Uh, sorry, Milwaukee. I'm sorry. I think I said Wisconsin earlier. I, but yeah, it's like a what? It's like a town in Milwaukee, right? Or uh, no, they're in Milwaukee. Which yeah, yeah. yeah no, you got it. Um, and I think it is that Midwest setting that kind of really makes it stand out. Like if you were gonna, if you, if you just made this movie about a couple guys in LA, it probably wouldn't hit the same way uh that other movies might not say anything bad about anybody working uh, in film in la but like uh it definitely uh makes it far more relatable uh for one um i mean i was taken aback anyway but but by the um i almost feel like the gray skies were almost planned uh in the editing i mean there was not a sunny day uh in any of these shots right and I was like, if that's coincidence, it might be, but uh, it almost felt uh, uh, methodical in the editing because uh, it definitely paints uh, a pretty accurate picture of, of uh, the gray weather here in the Midwest uh, sometimes. So, um, but yeah, I really do think it's that, I mean, it's his determination to finish his film despite everything working against him, most notably himself. But like I said, it being the Midwest component, I think that really kind of makes it stand out. and. Um, is definitely what makes it special for me, for sure. Obviously, uh, growing up in the Midwest, uh, even though a little bit closer to Chicago, though. So, um, yeah. yeah, no, I mean, I, it definitely was making me think of a couple of its uh, spiritual successors, uh, most notably like the movie Anvil or uh, The King of Kong. I don't know if you've seen either one of those. I have one, no. No, yeah, Anvil is about the the metal band, uh, the true uh, the true story of uh, the metal band from the '80s that were just never quite made it into the top tier of uh, metal acts. And so it's about their story, like still doing the band in their fifties um, and not giving up mid- another Midwest setting. Uh, and then King of Kong is uh, the guy's um, 
pursued for the best uh, score in Donkey um, Donkey Kong Jr. And uh, that one just kind of rings true to another one of this. It's just like the Midwesterner, like pursuing his dreams at all costs, uh, despite everything working against him. And it's kind of that relatability that what makes all those movies, including especially this one, stand out. Yeah, interesting. You know, I, I talk a lot about this to people out here. Like when you end up finding somebody from Chicago or the Midwest, but mostly Chicago, like I've mostly kind of like what I've experienced, they all seem to have this kind of like moment where they realize, oh, you're going to do things differently because you're from the Midwest. Um, there's sort of like an unspoken thing about that. I don't know if it's like that, 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 that like, pull yourself up by your bootstraps we, that we've talked about before mentality in the Midwest where it's like, don't complain about anything, just work hard. And, you know, whether or not we want to admit it, it's still instilled in us from, you know, growing up that way. So when you come to a place like LA, it's a little bit more relaxed. I'm not saying business isn't hard or isn't, you know, whatever, but when you work on things, there's definitely a more relaxed feel than I experienced in Chicago. And so I can relate to what you're saying um, in the film itself. It does come out that way. Like despite everything, the gray clouds, there's no sun, there's no birds chirping outside. I'm going to get this damn movie done. Yeah. Yeah. If it kills me, you know, and that is for sure on, um, on display in this film. Yeah, and I mean, just to touch on that, you definitely uh, point out the uh, the masochistic side of the Midwest sensibilities, which are not helpful. <laughs> yeah. uh, I definitely uh, am um, very familiar with the, uh, the, um, the difference between the two regions in terms of what, um, like you said, the sense of uh, pulling yourself up by the bootstraps uh, despite reality. Um, <laughs> and there, there's a very... Um, masochistic and uh self-blaming kind of reserve that does get bright more so in the midwest i'd say uh unfortunately so yeah no for sure and 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 the and the characters in this film which again it's a documentary and for everybody out there who's listening we haven't really gone into the plot too much but it's a film about a guy who wants to make and complete a horror movie that is like his biggest crowning achievement. But before he can, he needs to get the funds to complete that. He's in the Midwest, as we talked about, in the Milwaukee area, along with his friend, Mike Shank, who we talked about as uh, just passing away, are on this mission, despite you know all of the things life throws at you. Um, he's had a relationship with a woman that, um, is unraveled and he has three children from it. His name's Mark and he has three children. And so he's got that, he's got the bills that come with that. Um, he also has bills um, from just life in general that he can't pay. At one point, there's a scene where he talks about all his bills and it almost, this is another thing I wanna talk about because the filmmaking is done so well that at one point it just kind of cuts off it fades out because his bills he's talking about these bills he has and it literally just keeps going so at one point it just kind of like fades out and it's such a genius genius filmmaking technique to do that because it makes it feel like it's never ending you know and really gets it across that man these guys are out here not doing well and mike shank who's his friend who's helping him is a recovering addict um who is, at the time of his death, I believe he was 28 years sober. So in this film, he talks about how he doesn't drink no more and he's always laughing and he's got this giggle. 
he's just kind of a lovable guy who just is kind of like a burnout, you know, but he just like is so dedicated to helping his friend find his dream of becoming a filmmaker because he just, he's just, I don't know. It's like, it's like kind of how to, why you should do anything because like you like a, a person and you have fun doing it. There's really no other thing uh, at stake for Mark uh, or for Mike. But for Mark, it's like everything. It's his dream. He needs to get this so he can be this um, great filmmaker and go on and make more films. It's his passion. Um, uh, that's, I think, the plot in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah, no. And I mean, their friendship, um, even though they don't focus on it at all, really, or kind of discuss it too much, but it's like so clear and, and present uh, between the two of them. Um, like I said, even though the, like the film itself doesn't really dive into it, it just it just comes across so clear. I mean, there's one scene. It's later in the film when he's when Mark is feeling pretty down, and Mike is there just hanging out. They're trying to be quiet uh, because the kids are sleeping, and and just Mark is just totally um, nonchalantly. It's like, yeah, Mike Mike came over and he made me smile. He's just like telling that to the camera. It's just in a very passive way. Just uh, that's he, he basically said like I I don't think I could do it anymore. Like I I was yeah. I, was, I felt I was gonna give like when you say the words like I was gonna give up, but then this person came and really changed things. Yeah, that says yeah. it all right there. You yeah. know? And, and there's interesting tweet that I that I when 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 I found out that he he passed away, there was a tweet um, that I retweeted about um the movie i forget who who it was i just loved it though it was like if you want to learn how to be a good friend go watch american movie today mm. rest in peace and in, in peace mike shank and i, I love oh, that. Yeah. yeah yeah no that's great um mike seems like a perfect jim jarmusch character uh any thoughts on that he seems like somebody that jim jarmusch would have uh jarmusch would have loved to write i mean for sure I, I wasn't sure if you were saying like realistically if he was like a Jim Jarmusch filmmaker. No, no, no. I'm just saying like the way Jim Jarmusch sees characters, I could see him trying to uh, create a, uh, a a Mike type character. So and that's oh, what yeah. made it. I mean, he's just so like genuine. That's what I loved about it. I mean, this character is great. So uh, a little fun story. Back when this came out, I was in a band called Backdrop and the drummer and I had seen this movie together and there was a um, website for American movie and on the website you could they had their phone number um, available for people who saw the movie and wanted to talk to them and so one night we called that and we we literally talked to Mike and Mark for probably a half an hour to 45 minutes on the phone no shit like, had beers and like we're talking to them and they were in uh, Mike told us they were in his basement which you see a lot in the film um, I love that I get to tell the story now because it's like kind of a crowning achievement for me. Like I yeah, love yeah. guys, I love this movie and I got to talk to him for a while and it was just, it was just bullshitting around about stupid stuff. They probably got it all the time. People calling their house phone, but they had, you know, that accessible to us. And I love that. It was such a cool little thing and a, and a great memory I get to share to anybody who loves this movie. And when I talked to him, like, yeah, I talked to those guys on the phone. It was awesome. You know? Oh man. It's great. Love it. Back when uh, movies had their uh, websites and uh, that was the only place you would get information about it, I guess. I mean, right. It was, again, 1999 in a time when uh, I guess you were making a lot of films that were not like this. I mean, I, 
it was a big hit for for them, you know, and for the filmmakers. I mean, it really did well. And I, I do believe, like I said, Roger Ebert was really talking this up. Um, so there was a lot of critic, you know, critics. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think I saw he gave it four stars um, uh, discussing just it's um, it's a tribute to basically the filmmaking process, which is obviously what the movie's about, but just for anybody who loves that component, that behind the scenes, that, uh, that real life aspect of filmmaking. I mean, it's obviously uh, uh, the bread and butter of this movie. So. And I mean, think about it too. There's a lot of stuff in here that, that, that Mark is very smart about. He, he really understands cameras. He understands like, you know, um, lighting and, and and he's out there with sound like to actually roll this out he's in the editing room do, you know doing the edit and splicing the film and that's not stuff that like just any normal person can do so he's, he's really pretty smart um i kind of guess my my question for you is like what do you think gets in his way you know during the film what do you see that kind of gets in his way from actually achieving his dream uh well himself for sure uh it, by far it's the most uh his big, biggest obstacle yeah he's definitely very technically proficient um but i mean there's a lot of stuff in here when he's showing his inability to actually direct a film though i mean especially when you uh look at like uh, his wrangling with the actors and then just kind of the the uh logistics of of filmmaking obviously like uh, just like getting people together on, at the same time and and making sure that everybody knows what's happening there's obviously uh by far that's the biggest obstacle for him i would say i mean aside from the reality of like the monetary issue that everybody else faces so yeah and I, you know it's funny they're making a horror movie called northwestern and as i mentioned earlier they're making first a movie called coven because they need to finish this from what Mark thinks is going to, you know, generate the funds to help finish Northwestern. And I, I don't know if you noticed this, but kind of death is, is definitely a big character in this film. I mean, he works at a cemetery, Mark does, and it's kind of like always around, you know, he's making a film about like horror and even um, his uncle, you know, that he's very old and it's kind of like looming about, the finality, like what it, it, it's a little bit of a bigger ask for the audience, but you know, in general, we don't, we're not going to be here forever. And what you do with your time, at least what I'm pulling out of this is important, whether or not you're the biggest director in the world or you're not. And a lot of times they, they do interviews with his mom and they're like, this is what he loves to do, you know? And it's a, labor of love as anything is that you'd love to do. Um, I mean, artistically, anybody who's in it doesn't make a million dollars right away. You know, um, if you do, you're very lucky. You have to really work at it. You have to get good at it. It doesn't happen overnight and you have to persevere through a lot of things. There's a lot of financial challenges. And is in the end, is that worth it? Because we only get one life and, you know, or at the end of the day, would you rather be in that cemetery and look back on your life and, well, I worked for somebody and I had like a pretty like good life that, you know, I didn't do anything artistically or have to like go through any challenges. I just kind of skated through. I don't know. I kind of have to ask myself those questions when I watch movies like this, like what is the benefit of struggling so much in life for what you love to do? Mm. 
Yeah, I love that. I mean, the, the opening five minutes kind of lays out everything that we've kind of talked about so far. I mean, you have Mark talking. I mean, he says some like pivotal lines. You get no second chances in life. There's more to life than just drinking and dreaming. Uh, that one definitely hits uh, for a lot of people, I'd say. Um, and like a then... TLB, TLB song almost. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, love it. And then, um, and yeah, and then it cuts to like him um, opening up uh, some bills and he opens up uh, another one and it's him getting a MasterCard. And and he's like, I got a MasterCard and then just title cut American movie. And it was like, so like it just within that first five minutes, it sets up everything of like who this guy is, what his determination is, but he's obviously going to be facing the obstacles that a lot of people face uh especially like uh, when you're taking out something as huge as making it a film yeah and i mean if you think about it too like the interesting thing is like okay we we're talking about like at some points like all of this money like thirty thousand dollars fifty thousand dollars that he needs to finish and he's got a, like a whiteboard and he's talking about all these like crazy numbers when you know half the time you're like does he even know like what you know he's talking about his his uncle bill being a producer and he needs to borrow this much money but does he really know yeah. that it's going to take that much like because at some point mike shank comes in and he wins 50 bucks on a scratch constantly doing scratch offs and he's yeah. like yeah i don't want to tell those guys though because and by the way talk about great filmmaking great editing he comes in and he's got mark he's got his uh i think it's thanksgiving and he's got like a, the stupid smile on his face and and mike shank is kind of like yeah and he's and then you hear mark say well what you got going on that you're not telling us and they cut to like an interview of mike where he's like i won 50 dollars on a scratch off today but i'm not gonna tell those guys because they're gonna want to take my money they're gonna want to take yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like beautiful moment of this film little things like that that chris smith does that are so perfect i don't know I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, his uh, Mark's um, business plan on his um, whiteboard with the uh, Sharpie. And then he just like swipes it off. Completely. Oh, I'm sorry, like, oh, I wiped that off. <laughs> I shouldn't have done that. But uh, like that was his entire business plan, just like in this little foot uh, markup. And it was so great. Yeah. And I mean, that's the I mean, this is a movie that like really does kind of hit um you know just lightning that strikes it's it's the personalities between mark and mike combined with the expert directing uh from chris smith i don't think we've mentioned uh he's the director he direct, i just found out he's directed uh, that documentary jim and andy um about um andy kaufman and, and jim carrey the great beyond that came out a couple I years didn't ago know that, but that was great too I, I yeah Mm -hmm. it was that was a great film and and so this was obviously early in christmas's career and and you can and like we're saying right now you can definitely tell the talent be behind the camera and in front of the camera so yeah and the, and sometimes you can hear him ask the questions you know like at some point you know that he knows what he needs to get out of this scene. Right. so yeah. mark's in the car at the end of the last shot of, Co of coven or coven remember they're like they don't know how to say it I mean, I what I just realized that this is this movie is the reason why I've been mispronouncing or saying it uh, the way that Mark says it for so many years. I, I Coven, definitely, Coven. yeah, I definitely have uh, say Coven by default. Uh, but I, I mean, I guess Coven is the appropriate one, but I think Coven probably is accepted. It's just not 
the most widely used, I guess. So, yeah, but, it, but it, watching it this time around, I was like, oh, that's probably why I've been saying it like that for so many years now. It's a point that they make in the movie for sure. The kids are trying to pronounce it. That's another great <laughs> little moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what I was saying about Chris Smith is that he's realizes like um, how important the moment is that he's finishing the last shot of Coven. And then he also realizes that there was a fight between Mark and his lady that you kind of get to see from far away on the same day that this big moment for him, which should be a really big moment to finish Coven, which means he can go on and make Northwestern, but it's um, the juxtaposition of also he's got this really hard thing that's happening in his life with his kids who are going to be probably taken away um, and spend time with their mother. And it's kind of like brilliant to ask the question, what are you doing right now? And he was able to prompt him to be able to say, well, I'm finishing my shot of Coven. And then he goes into like how he's feeling about what just transpired between him and his, um, for lack of a better word, baby's mama, because they're not married, his ex-girlfriend. Um, and it's like the duality of this crowning achievement in his life with like this really big challenge is what this movie is all about. And Chris Smith knew how to get that out of that moment in the back of the car. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that's, brilliant. yeah, that the cat and the, the camera capture in, in the back of that car, that scene definitely stood out quite a bit because it, it definitely felt so genuine. Um, uh, it, it, it capturing a moment of struggle that we've all been at some point or another, obviously, depending on uh, what each of us is going through. But like, you could tell like he was in a moment of kind of uh, crisis, uh, you know, not emergency crisis, but just uh, reevaluating his life quite a bit. And it comes through in a very heartfelt way. And I loved it. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of moments like that that are just like, they're really, they're really small. But I, I feel like there were moments that like, in the field, these guys were just smart, and they knew how to get it out of the, um, the characters of the film to, to tell the story properly and I, like you said it's like lightning in a bottle right like you have these great people that are real people that are living and a director who knew how to like tell that story and get get out of them what he needed to tell the story properly love it not it, just not unlike movies like documentaries like hoop dreams and things like that you know yeah oh i need to rewatch that one i haven't watched that for a while oh i just watched it just a little bit ago it was excellent. Uh, was that is that Stevie Smith, the uh, director? Yes. Yeah, love it. Okay, cool. yeah, life yeah, itself, yeah. right? Right, right, right. Um, what did you think? You think Coven is uh, is a good movie? I mean, I haven't seen it. I actually looked to see if like uh, ba ba based off the, this movie. Uh, yeah, you don't have. I'm saying, do you think it looks like a good movie? Um. No, the equivalent yeah. of like Ed Wood making right. from outer space or Glenn or Glenda, you know, we love those um, people who are like, again, it's, a, it's a kind of the same story against, except for Ed Wood actually got to be here in LA making films and got to shoot with Bella Lugosi, but had no money, you know, put together whatever they could just to get it done. And a lot of times though, for artists, you know, that's the point. Like if I have a shitty film camera from 1970s that my family gave me and everybody else has 
the best top of the line $2,000 digital cameras that go straight to your phone when you take the pictures. But I get the opportunity to go shoot the Rolling Stones down the street at a small club. And I'm like, well, I either use a small camera or I don't do it at all because I don't have the equipment. Like you go and you get it done however you can. So yeah. you, you almost can't blame people for like trying to trudge through it to do the best they can. It's just like at the end of the day, some people are better at working with nothing than others. <laughs> mm. I like that. I mean, look at M. Night Shyamalan, like a lot of like the old Easter eggs and a lot of his stuff were like his old movies that he made when he was a kid, but they're all very interesting. There's like great stories behind it. And yeah, like it's kids with a camcorder, but still like really great stuff. You just could tell that this guy had it, you know? Well, there were a couple scenes with the hooded guys in the woods um, that were definitely calling back to the final sacrifice, which is uh, one of the best episodes of Mystery Science Theater 3000 of all time. And uh, if you know, you know, um, it's definitely got those vibes. And so that's why I was curious about uh, what Coven looked like to you. Gotcha. Yeah, I know you're a huge Mystery Science Theater fan, so I cannot uh, I cannot say that I've seen a lot of it, but I, I know how much you love it. Oh, my favorite show of all time by far but yeah final sacrifice is uh canadian uh it's one of the best episodes it's a it was a canadian um like action thriller uh from the early 90s and so like it definitely it was made around the same time as coven was being made and so it just definitely rang uh, a lot of those uh, vibes i mean there were scenes that were like uh explicitly almost the exact same with uh, all the hooded guys uh, in the woods and so yeah loved it yeah, great stuff for sure. But can we talk at this point about Uncle Bill? I mean, we have to like have a little segment here about Uncle Bill, if you ask me, because he's one of the greatest characters in this entire film. I should have gotten my surge uh, from the fridge to to. Do they still make surge? I have no idea, but I should have gone and gotten one. <laughs> Everybody out there, there's like a, an amazing moment where Coca-Cola had brought out a new um, soda called Surge. And they bring it from uh, the fridge to give to this character we're talking about now, Uncle Bill. So Uncle Bill is the producer of Coven yep. and would have eventually been probably, well, posthumously, he's the producer of Northwestern, the main film that Mark is trying to make because He's the money guy, uh, but he's like literally a guy who lives in a, in a camper. And it's explained early on by Mark's dad that he's very traditionally tight with his money. But if there's anybody who can get his money out of Uncle Bill, it's Mark. And Mark eventually does. And that's why he becomes the producer of this. But, you know, there's some kind of beautiful scenes, but also like creepy scenes where like Mark is giving him a bath. Um and then he has that fucking um, toenail. Yeah. He possibly has the most memorable lines of this entire film, I would think. And those are, it's all right. It's okay. <laughs> Jesus told me so. Or oh, wait, I fucked it up just like he did, right? Oh, there's something to live for. Jesus told me so. And, uh, yeah, I think they're on like take 80 at some point when he finally just says like, I'm not going to do it anymore because he can't get it. It's one of the best parts of the movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it's so great. And again, it's like the juxtaposition of him and his life and what he's where he is and how he's just kind of content with just being in, you know, the trailer that he's in 
and spending the, his remaining days hanging out, drinking peppermint schnapps every once in a while. Peppermint schnapps and surge. So, and Mark looks at him and, and is like, "Why don't you, you know, why don't you want to live? You know, you're not in the grave yet. What? Come on, you know, what did you do with your life? Like, we're still, you know, he's got this like dreamer stuff. Is so." he's so pinpointed at it so focused and targeted mark you know interesting i just want to say that uh, a rendition of the lion had a little bit of bella lugosi in it uh <laughs> understandably and it was uh perfection so definitely yeah. i'm definitely gonna get a sound bite for that one uh <laughs> yeah no no uncle bill it's it, it he does capture the um the positivity and also the sadness uh, of this movie uh, in in the single character because he I mean he's just he's an old man who's clearly kind of uh, struggling with keeping his um, keeping uh, sane completely and uh, he definitely has his moments of senility and it, it but his heart is still there and he's very much uh, aware that he's supporting uh, Mark's dream and how important it is to him so even if it, he says though like. I don't believe in any of this. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, he does. I mean, he's, he's going to shit on it, but he's still going to show up and kind of do the thing for, for Mark uh, at, at the end of the day, even though it's, I mean, there were, there, there were some establishing shots uh, or moments where it was like, yeah, Mark's not overtly taking advantage of this old man and his money for the movie itself. So. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. I, that's, I think why they put those scenes in there. You're right. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah why they show him um, going over to his house and spending time with them, giving him a bath, getting you know, pouring him a peppermint schnapps. Uh, yeah. It's kind but of also just like, also just right? like the technical stuff. They show him like at the bank, setting up the account for the film, the film production account from uncle Bill's uh, actual money, like directly depositing into the, the, the checks that will go for the movie rather than Mark just having access to his money. So you know, there's a lot of interesting things, too, in the interviews, especially with Mark's family and things that come out of it. And sometimes it's like what you don't need to hear that you just like have a really good general understanding of like, all right, we don't need to get into his like, grow, you know, growing up and his backstory of what his childhood was like. But you hear his dad say, you know, I wasn't always. And then he kind of stops himself and says, well, you know, that's kind of getting personal. Hmm. And there's like that's all you kind of had to say. Like, you don't have to go like, I was bad to them or blah, blah, blah. It's like, it kind of doesn't matter. Like whatever happened to Mark here to become who he is, it's kind of like you're understood. It's like, no matter what, it's been hard for these folks, you know, like it's just a hard life, whatever that means to, you know, get him to where he is now, where he just wants to push out of that life to make a better life for himself. He, it's called American movie. He's always talking about the American dream. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to say that captures the Midwest aspect per per perfectly, you know, acknowledge it, but certainly don't analyze it too much. So, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah totally. There's a lot to uh, talk about in this film. I think the great thing that I always take out of it every time I watch it is that it takes me on a great ride, like movies should, but it also leaves me thinking like about my life and what I've done in my life and you know how much I can relate to wanting to do something that's going to have a lasting impact that will generate the next project and what I'm willing to do to kind of get that 
going in my life. And especially in the last couple of years, I can watch this movie now after being older. And, you know, I probably haven't seen it since like 2000 something, you know, early 2000. But as of like two years after the pandemic, I mean, I'm a full-time artist now. And um, in many ways, I'm kind of going back to like, not a ton of money coming in, you know, and not a um, traditional job. And I think what I'm doing now is in many ways, kind of back to like what Mark is doing to make uh, his dream come true. There's many points in your life that can happen to you, but like, it's fun to see um, other people in the world doing exactly what you're, you're doing because you love it. And that's really the only reason to do anything. It's going to better your life, what, whether the money comes in or not, um, because it's mentally um, important for us to follow the things that are positive instead of the things that um, you just have to do because society says you need to have good health insurance and, you know, a nine to five, you need to be handcuffed to a desk. Um, a lot of people are faced with that, with that, with those decisions. And, and it takes a lot of courage, I, I feel, to keep going. So I love these characters for that. And I love seeing them at this point in my life, that they had the courage to go out there and do whatever it took. And I don't know a ton about Mark and where he's been, but I, I think he's still doing the same stuff right now. So I mean, yeah, you're definitely capturing what's so uh, uh, captivating about this film and these characters. So, yeah. um, and I just want to say your your uh, work these days has been, you know, some of the best that I've ever seen uh, since our friendship. So you are definitely on the uh, the trajectory that is far more promising than uh, a lot of uh, the characters that have been at the the heart of some stories. Yeah. Um, so Thank yeah. You. Love thank you i mean yeah he is certainly still working uh he's been i mean he's he's a full-time career in film uh acting mostly acting and directing some so i mean i was just uh, on his imdb recently and it's definitely pretty filled up so you know he's definitely not uh, just sitting sitting back uh still wanting to make his movies he's, he's definitely doing it so yeah that's great that's great I, I guess i should have done a little bit more research before our episode here just to kind of see where he's at and, and what he's doing but um i mean not a lot that i recognize but uh certainly working alongside i mean he was in a movie starring danny danny trejo just a couple of years ago so you know, gotcha. he's definitely he's definitely uh, on the radar for a lot of people. So that's definitely good to see that. Yeah, I know. And I, I know it was well received and in its time. It sounds like it just keeps on growing with fandom. Like you said, after uh, Mike Shank passed away, a lot of people are um, singing the smoothie phrases, you know. Yeah, I think it's one of those movies that a lot of people really love, but just not, it doesn't get a lot of attention all the time. I mean, it certainly got attention. I mean, it won Sundance when it came out and it was popular, but like in the 22 years, 23 years since it came out, it's not like I see it mentioned all the time. But then obviously with Mark's passing, it was clear that plenty of people uh, hold it uh, close to their heart. Yeah, and you know, I there's moments in this too just to talk about uh mike shank for another second that are so unexpected he says very goofy kind of to himself kind of um 
you, you get the feeling that he's just happy go lucky and kind of like anything goes, but like he's, he doesn't share a lot, but the, the, the music of this film is all done by Mike Shank. Yeah. All the uh, kind of classical guitar work, which is um, amazing. And then also the scene, which we have to talk about of the scream, they have every character in front of the microphone to kind of go up there and give their best scream. And you've got this guy who's like overacting of everything, right? He's like, the, I love that character, by the way. I don't even know his name, but he's so good. The older gentleman. Right, right, right. He wears the like scarf. A scarf. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, he's so good. Um, so anybody out there who's listening, to this, you just got to see this movie. I mean, well, I promise you, you're going to love it. Um, but Mike Shank, like just understanding who he is from what I explained that he's kind of reserved he comes up there and he just knocks the scream out of the park it has to be seen to believe to be seen and heard to be believed it's so good I mean I've watched uh, a thousand fucking horror movies uh, just in the last couple of years and that scream it was top notch it's it's impeccable I mean you just get blown away and it's, I mean it's so great like because he's such a like a low-key character uh, low-key personality and then when he gets in the sound booth he goes for this like triple threat scream and it's uh, it blows you away I loved it that, that's like the stuff where like i have to feel like the filmmakers were like watching that footage and be like guys we we have it like this is gonna get after like i, <laughs> I mean you, you know? can see it you can see it in mark's face both like as a director and his friend he's just like whoa mike you you got it you got the stuff, <laughs> yeah, so. totally. i know and that's why this movie is so endearing i, I think i've used that word a few times you know it's like it's a very endearing film. It's a very um, cool story about friendship, about, you know, making something creative against all the odds. Um, what's not to love about that, you know? Love it. Love it. So should we take what we've learned here from this and transition into our top songs of the week that we've been listening to are you done talking uh on your part of american movie or we have more to talk about yeah no i mean that can, we you definitely nailed a lot of the stuff i was uh, excited about um especially here in your uh connection to it so yeah i'm definitely good with it i mean there were just so many good lines uh and i'm trying to determine yeah, roll off a few if you got some I, I mean, I know there is a lot yeah i mean uh my mom and my brother are having a very sterile dinner somewhere talking very sterilely about some very sterile subject he's clearly just thrown thrown shade at his mom and brother on thanksgiving uh about their non-filmmaking uh uh soaked uh, thanksgiving i love it that's that adds <laughs> to like the the like uh, classic he's inebriated when he's saying that and half the time like when you see him talking it's not like you know you feel like he's like a drunk the whole time even though it's kind of implied but like you right, know, right. He does what he wants so half the one time he's eating a turkey leg you know <laughs> like on screen and it's like i just put myself back there where it's like you got that attitude of i don't give a fuck like i mean and that's why he's such a great character for this film is like he is kind of like says and does what he wants but there's a little aggression that i can relate to in things like those those lines when he's like yeah they're having a sterile conversation about like whatever and like there's this like this little bit of him that wants to be in those sterile conversations you know what i mean yeah yeah yeah, yeah. no oh, no doubt so uh but yeah i love that one and and maybe just the last one i think it, it it's a good uh markism um you know just on his philosophy in life and where he's at is uh 
if he's examining it, examining himself and just kind of seeing where he's at in life. And he says to himself, um, talking to the audience, is that what you want to do with your life? Suck down peppermint schnapps and call Morocco at two in the morning? No way. <laughs> <laughs> so that was his moment of enlightenment. Just like, well, that's what I did last night. So I better get my fucking act together and finish this goddamn film or else that's what the rest of my life is going to look like. So totally. Yeah. And, you know, he's again, there's determination like we talked about it time and time again through this film of like, I'm in bed. I'm sick. His mom comes in there, tries to get him out of bed. And he's like, yeah, I got, you know how many phone calls are waiting for me over there? It's like, I don't know how many are really waiting for you. It's like, just kind of like probably one of those guys that puts like the work on himself. Like again, self-deprecating because it's like, feels like that's how it's supposed to be. Like to really achieve the greatness, I've got to get out of all the things I'm buried in, but like half the shit he's buried in, I think he puts on himself, you know? Oh, no doubt. Yeah, love it. Uh, but yeah, no, that especially sums it up for me. I just want to thank you for making me watch this again, uh, letting me uh, giving me the pleasure of watching it again. Like I said, I hadn't seen it in a long time, and uh, it's definitely a, a heavy hitter that I've been wanting to revisit for a long time. So yeah, and I, I I'm so glad that we did the switch. You know, like I, I really wanted to make sure that we uh, paid a little tribute to Mike Shank after passing, and that look we gotta we gotta do m i love m and i mean we'll definitely get to fritz lang at some points so, yes so. i mean fritz lang yeah. yeah but moving to american movie thanks for making that quick switch when i saw like, for everybody out there listening uh yeah it's on criterion right now in a in a tribute kind of um uh conglomerate there of sony picture classics which back in those days when you saw that blue screen come up and it said sony pictures classics you know you were seeing like a pretty important independent film that you should be seeing and this is part of that series uh, on the criterion channel so you can watch it over there um we're big fans of course and then yeah american movie Fantastic film. Um, we both recommend, and you should check it out. Love it, love it. Yeah, I was uh, uh, maybe sticking just on other movie news um, streaming services. Man, like between Criterion Channel and HBO Max, just for straight up movies. I mean, those two are basically the only ones I've been kind of utilizing the last several months. Uh, just, just basically in terms of quality, just how much, how much more stuff I'm just happy watching it. I mean, I just haven't touched like Netflix in so long that I don't know. Yeah. I was just a huge fan of uh, how curated both of those channels are. And definitely. Big. Well, when I have to cinch up like on my, my, you know, in and out of money, I always can get rid of everything except for criterion. It's always yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly the most um, reliable. You know, it's like the music box. It's like even if you don't know what you're going to watch, you definitely have trust in their programming. So, you know, it's going to be at least worth your time to check it out. Like right. there's, there's nothing that you're going to have on the Criterion channel that isn't, uh, you know, you may not like everything on there, but like it's, it's going to be worth your time to check it out no matter what they're playing. And you, you can't say that for most streaming services at all, uh, understandably so. So, yeah, Criterion's definitely stepped it up, in my opinion, over like the last year. I've been a, um, a member of that streaming service since it started. It started, was born out of Filmstruck passing. Uh, right, right, right. Which was a great service. Um, but they kind of were getting their bearings for I think the first year and now they're like really curating some really great stuff. So it's great. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, Criterion and like I said, HBO uh, HBO Max is is doing great, but because um, their Criterion selection on HBO Max is pretty strong too. Um, and they must and, yeah. be owned by the same people or something, you know? I mean, yeah. I mean. I don't know. I don't know all the details on like who owns what and in terms of contracts of HBO being a conglomerate, but uh, yeah, there's definitely a lot of um, alignment there. But then uh, add, if I add shutter uh, into that, that trifecta, I got everything I need. So <laughs> shutter, shutter is a plus in terms of streaming service. Well, I know we're not going to get to M next week because that's going to be your pick which i don't know about yet what that oh be. you got oh man we got uh, an exciting pick we'll we'll just say that so okay yeah i know you don't want to give it away but we will get back to them and uh yeah let's transition to our our song of the week which i love this um this new kind of venture of remainders where we can talk a little bit about music well uh, do you I want mean, to start you yeah. want to go and throw yours out first i'm yeah sure i'm always excited to hear what you're listening to you know like i said this is just like what we're checking out what we think might each other might like and uh definitely always excited to hear your picks um but yeah so earlier in the week you and i were texting a little bit about morrissey i don't know if you want to share a little bit about that uh, ah. concert um unfortunately uh, you attended it. it sounded like it was great but it wasn't quite up to what uh, you were expecting yeah okay so uh i had almost forgot about this whole thing um but with yeah last week we talked about it and if you recall i was talking about like i'm gonna have to take a snowsuit and go up there because it gets really cold in that uh theater <laughs> and uh yeah we got there um luckily i'm in walking distance to the greek theater so we did a nice brisk oh really walk. nice yeah, I mean, listen, 54 in California, I, I know it's, people are going to laugh at you, but like 54 in California is like 20 degrees in Chicago. It's cold. It's like, it's colder for whatever reason. And um, suck it up. I, well, here, I'm telling you, like, I don't even think that's the official reason why Morrissey left the stage. Probably not. But, yeah. you, but here, here's how I feel about everything. Um, Morrissey is one of my favorite singers of all time. I love that his career is very unapologetic. Mm. And I love that he's unafraid to live the life that he wants to live as a person, but also as an artist. When I went to buy the tickets, like I said, it's probably like, close to like 15, 16, 17th time I've seen him. Mm. Been lucky enough to see him and he hasn't walked off stage yet. Okay. So it's like everyone's like he's classic. He always does it. Um, I haven't seen it. And he did it this time. And I told my girlfriend when we're sitting next to each other, we were really cold. We brought hand warmers. That's how cold it was. And I said, you know, it's possible he's not going to come back out. And she's like, I knew the show. Like, like the did he make off. an announcement? Did anybody, or did they just walk off stage? He, he walked off one time and then he came back on and, and completed like two songs. The media was saying that he did nine songs. I only, I think he only did like five songs. It was less mm. than, and uh, I'm pretty sure they're going to um, reschedule it, but yeah, there was no yeah. official announcement of why he did that. He just walked off and he walked off with very much confidence. You don't know if there was like a threat or there was whatever. Listen, it was expensive tickets, okay? So everybody is, has the right to be mad. Um, 
you know, but at the same time, I also went into it understanding that that could possibly happen. It's my favorite singer. It's worth the gamble. I saw him at the Hollywood Bowl in 2019, and it's one of the best concerts I ever saw. It was worth mm. that experience. It was worth that risk to go see him because he's so unapologetic in his art, because he's so convicted in what he's singing about, because he has a way of connecting to people the way that he does. Um, it doesn't bother me whatsoever. And I just hope he's okay. And I'm excited to see him again. Good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I mean, yeah, we were talking about it last week and I saw that just like the day or two after I was kind of bummed for you, but then, yeah, you said it was still a good experience. So that was good. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I was busting your balls a little bit, uh, you know, for everybody. I think I've mentioned it. I'm on the cure side. Uh, yeah. Not, not that there's, you know, not that there's a, uh, any uh you know dichotomy between the two but uh, it's definitely like the, uh, the, the the depressing tone i think uh you know the melody yeah. in there yeah well uh, i mean morrissey's great but cure is one of my favorite bands of all time um and so i was busting your balls a little bit uh they're on their european tour uh right now and uh they played a three-hour show like the same night in barcelona uh <laughs> and so and so i just kind of it was priding you just a little bit. So hopefully you didn't take that. Uh, no, not at all. I love it. I love that. I mean, there's definitely, you know, to be a Morrissey fan, you have to, you have to have a tough exterior because people are going to come at you. <laughs> um, but I got to tell you. Yeah. Um, in Chicago, I'd wear my Morrissey shirts out and I'd get a lot of shit. Here in LA, it's a lot different. Mm. You wear your Morrissey shirt and like you literally get props all the time. They're like, hell yeah. Um, I think there's something about Morrissey that people in LA get. I don't know why, but it's different here. That reminds me, I never mentioned it to you other than through text. Yeah, I gave my props to uh, that awesome uh, girl who was wearing the Suizo shirt at Riot yeah. Fest this year. Yeah. <laughs> so I went to Riot Fest, I talk about it, and there was a Suizo's shirt, Darren's uh, amazing band, and it was just a shirt just kind of flying through the crowd, and I had to like, I just gave her like a uh, like a thumbs up for the shirt. I mean, obviously, I, I didn't recognize her or anything, but uh, uh, just give definitely give props. Did you say anything? Props. It's always so weird to me uh no we didn't talk or anything i just kind of get her like a, a, a good shirt and so i, I mean days, i could i was gonna say two days ago um a friend of mine was at o'hare and on one of the baggage claim things that go through there was a carbona sticker so for oh. everybody who doesn't know that was my first band that i did in 1998 one year before american movie hell and, yeah uh, that was my first ever band and for some reason, at O'Hare Airport, there's a Carbonus sticker stuck there. And he took the photo and sent it to me. I was like, holy shit, over 20 years old, that, that sticker. Wait a minute, where was it at? At, at the O'Hare Airport, like one of the baggage claim, like terminal things where like, I don't know, he sent me a picture and it was just like, there it is. There's a sticker that's like. Oh, just like propped on a piece of equipment or something? Yeah. Like oh, it, wow, it was shit. probably one of the like, you know, back end uh, international, like where the okay. baggage because it wasn't like on the inside you know where all the people pick up their baggage it was like one right right like you know they come out of the shoot or something uh i mean all your bands are international sensations so that (laughs) seems the appropriate spot for it so yeah well i'm glad they live on somewhere yeah hell yeah yeah um anyway yeah back to the music uh there's a whole diversion that is purposeful but yes the cure they are on tour right now uh in europe and for uh, a second tour their opening band is the twilight set uh i saw them in 2016 
uh, The Cure. And that was when I first discovered The Twilight Side because they opened for them at the same time for that tour too. Um, and so they've been a band of Scotland. They definitely have uh, The Cure slash Morrissey vibe uh, to their music. All their albums are great. And so definitely the song that I've been listening to this week is uh, There's a Girl in the Corner off the album Nobody Wants to Be Here and Nobody Wants to Leave. And it is a uh, such a fucking great uh, mood setting song, especially for this music that we're talking about right now. And like I said, seeing them open for The Cure, I definitely remember them vividly and they've obviously uh, been uh, meshing well with The Cure uh, because they're still opening them for them in Europe right now. And I'm definitely excited for... Um, I'm assumingly they're going to have a 2023 North American tour. So hopefully I'll get to see both of them again next year. But yeah, there's a girl in the corner. Well, I was going to send links and uh, I'm excited to hear what you think about it when you listen to it. I've never heard that band. I'm very excited to hear about it just by the way you've explained it. And yeah. also, what a great name for a record. Nobody wants yeah, to. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Great. No, they're a very poetic band. Uh, like I said, from Scotland um, uh, and they just have a great sound. So yeah, definitely excited to hear what you think about them. So say the name of the band one last time. I'm sorry. The Twilight Sad. The Twilight Sad. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, we'll check that out. Thanks uh, for that pick. I'm uh, I always love what you have to offer and it's fun. Maybe we should start up the uh, Spotify, you know, like a uh, playlist that we had going for, we, and when we did the Warren Zevon episode, we made, or Pat made a really excellent greatest hits uh, Zevon um, Spotify playlist. So maybe we can do that again, you know, like kind of with all our picks that we're picking, um, throw them into oh. like a, a playlist or something. Way ahead of you. I already got that started when we'll be putting links to the Spotify list uh, for each show. So. Wow. Look at yeah. this. We, we got you were lazy. Music. Yeah. I, well, I, I was listening to that uh, uh, Zivon list again after we uh, spoke last week about your print, um, which which uh, saved me one, by the way. I, uh, I'm waiting for payday and then I'm going to get. Oh, the, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You got it. Um, <laughs> and yeah. Well, that's all, I, that's all I had to say. You know, Zivon's always great to listen to. I had nothing more to say about that, but. <laughs> No, yeah, for sure. And like, uh, I just think it'd be cool for everybody listening if there was a place to go to hear them all. So I'm glad you got that started. And for me, for this week, it's something that uh, I, I want to talk quickly about. I, I, I told you I thought this was a great idea. So last weekend, whenever, every Friday, I go over to my girlfriends and we'll um, discuss, you know, what we did for the week and everything. And I was like, oh, Pat, you know, had this great idea for Remainders about the song of the week and so we listen you know of course to like our picks and um then i i kind of it kind of got us into a um a, a moment where i was like well maybe we should do that you know like well what what do you you know but but maybe i i was thinking in my mind maybe you should tell me like a song that meant something in your life you know mm. she said uh yeah like i always said well for example when you lived in um nashville what was like the soundtrack to that, you know, time? Because I didn't really know her then. And I kind of want to, you know, that's a good way to open up like an understanding of somebody. And she told me about the song, uh, The Devil in Me by Jim Wigmore. And earlier this year, we saw Jim Wigmore play here in LA. She's a New Zealand singer songwriter. And, um, I saw her with my girlfriend first. It was the first show back from the pandemic where we went in, we wore masks the whole time. And it was a very small club blown away by the show. 
And I had kind of forgotten after the show about her music. I mean, we had a great time. I loved the songs, but I didn't really listen to any of her songs. So when my girlfriend told me this was a very important song to me in Nashville, when I lived there, it really brings me back. I went and I listened to this record. So not only is the song, The Devil in Me, which is my pick for the week, amazing. The record, Gravel and Wine from 2011 is like a hit after hit after hit. Jen Wigmore, great singer, songwriter. Um, and I love what this did for us, for our relationship um, through like just having like a song of the week. You could kind of like really, I can really like picture my girlfriend listening to this, you know, in Nashville back before she knew me, kind of that life we don't get to experience of like people that we love, you know, like there's moments when we're just not around, right? So like what was the, the soundtrack of that time and that was this, but uh, Jen has a bunch of songs uh, that have videos from this record too. So if you're out there and you're interested in, in this song, The Devil and Me, um, you, you, I think you'll like a lot of the videos that she had out from it. So Gravel and Wine is the record. The Devil and Me is the song. Um, I've been crushing that record all week long, and I think you guys will love it. Hell yeah. Yeah, you've mentioned uh, this name before. I'm not familiar with her, so I'm definitely excited to check uh, that re entire record out. So, um, yeah, definitely uh, into it. Love to hear it, man. New cool. Zealand, New Zealand and Scotland, uh, Scotland representing today. Yeah. So. And we didn't even like plan that, you know, it's like, uh, you know, yeah, keep it, uh, keep it global. So yeah, she's got a really cool voice. I think you're going to really dig it. Um, really, really got something special and unique there. Love it. Beautiful. Yeah. This, uh, I'm excited. I got my Friday night pick, uh, out now for, so thank you. Yeah. So what's great about doing it on Friday nights, you discover a new record and keep that going for the night. So. Yeah. 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 Cause I mean, obviously we were listening to what we were listening to last week and, uh, I think that the meat wave stuff, I got a couple comments about like people loving that record and. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I like hearing that. I like hearing like, what do you, you know, what did you like about it? You know, and, and having those discussions, it's kind of like what we do with the movies, you know, we get the, um, really understand like the way people are living their lives by what they take away from the art that they're consuming. So it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it just, I don't know about you, but like, uh, uh, in this increasingly specialized, uh, technological world, I'm probably listening to new, less new music now than ever in my life. And so getting quality picks is uh, certainly what's most important to me uh and that's obviously why we've been trading music for so many years and it's the best part about it so yeah the, you know the, the the world i think the way the best sum that up is it's kind of like going to like an all-you-can-eat all-night diner <laughs> has like six pages of things that you can order and it's just too much you know it's like right right uh, that's kind of how the world of information is right now it's just like there's just too much and so you kind of try your best to like make it the small list of just the really good stuff curated love it yeah oh and i want to say one thing um just as we segue out here i read something that i just was really interested in. and i know we both love scorsese so i wanted to talk about it recently 80th, 80th birthday this week, 80th too. birthday so that's yeah. why i'm bringing this up recently i read something about him it was through a tweet and it was, I don't know if this is true or not, but if it is, I, I, and I don't doubt it is because it just sounds very Scorsese, but it was about Scorsese going into uh, Silence of the Lambs and being considered for the director of Silence of the Lambs. I don't know if you know this story or not. No. 
And the gist of it was that the book, I guess, is really, really gory. I never read the book. I'm sure you might have because you're just yeah. a reader. But um, Scorsese being Scorsese said, I'm going to show all of that. I'm going to, you know, this, if I'm going to be the director of this, I'm going to show all the gory parts. And they're like, even this part? And they're like, he's like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm going to show that. Especially uh, that part. Yeah, especially. <laughs> and um, so at one point he realized like that kind of wasn't the movie that, um, the producers wanted to make or whatever. And so Jonathan Demi came in and then obviously made a movie which was very successful and um, didn't show a ton of gore. and Very little gore. Yeah, I, re- I rewatched it a couple of years ago. It, it's, it's, it's amazing how much horror is transcended just for the performances because, yeah, blood, there's not too much. Right. And so I think that was the point um, of what Scorsese said after he was asked about it. So he says, I made the right decision by saying no, because Jonathan Demme made a great film and I wouldn't have made it great. I wouldn't mm. it. And there's a lot to take out of that for me. It, it means to me that Scorsese is so convicted in the way that he makes art, that he is smart enough, and this is such a rare gift, that he's smart enough to realize when he's not good for something. He, he doesn't just go into it and say, I'm gonna make this a hit. He's smart enough to realize it's right for me and I can tell the story in my unique way, which is why it will be a hit movie. But he doesn't go in and say yes to everything. And he can turn down things because it won't be a benefit to the project as a whole. And he knows that the project would be better served with somebody else at the helm. In my career in the world of making things, it's a very, very rare gift to have. And that's why... Martin Scorsese deserves the biggest happy birthday from us here, in my <laughs> opinion. Just want to make sure we acknowledge what a great filmmaker he is and what a great just artist in general to uh, really be celebrated for things like that amongst others. It's He's a great guy. I love hearing that. Yeah, I didn't know that story. Um, I mean, yeah, we're definitely going to cover... Um, it's my desire to cover his cocaine uh, quadrilogy is what I call it. And it's those four movies that are, you know, more or less fueled uh, by the idea uh, of cocaine, sometimes overtly, sometimes covertly, but it's kind of the directing style that is is a recurring theme through Goodfellas, Casino, Departed, and then Wolf of Wall Street. Those four movies have the similar directing style uh, that I, you know, I fucking love and kind of just what makes Scorsese Scorsese, even though it's just a part of what the, he makes. And um, I can't wait for us to cover all four of those movies in a roll because uh, definitely going to be a wild ride. We have to. And, and I'm going to cut it off here because otherwise we're going to continue talking all day. I know we are. And uh, my book sprout uh, uh, remainders time lot, I think, is like going to go over again in time, just like it did last week if we go like another 10 minutes. So I'm going to cut it off here. And on this, I started watching Six Feet Under again. Oh, man. Our, dude, my favorite my favorite uh, drama show of all time i've been uh wanting to tell you last week i started watching my girlfriend she's never seen the show <sighs> yeah and I, it. dude it's emotional for me it's really really emotional because that meant that show meant we'll talk we gotta cover that somehow uh, well, there's it. definitely uh, a strategy that we can do because yeah there's there's no way we can cover like oh, the show or even just one season of one episode so yeah yeah i mean i feel like it's 
somehow we got to figure out creatively how to like cover that. Um, but I'm watching it. I'm realizing I'm watching it. So 2005 is when it ended. I'm probably watching this now in, in my adult years and it's different, yeah. but man, it's emotional still. And I'm only in the second episode and like Nate Fisher, God damn it, man. You know, yeah, yeah. like, and I'm seeing so much of, of like your style from back then, like, <laughs> very, like you in general were like very Nate Fisher, you know? So it's cool. Oh, hopefully not all the toxic qualities of it though. So no, no, no. But yeah, like the look, you know, like the yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. Shorter. Uh, no, no, yeah. I've been. I rewatched it maybe four years ago. Uh, I mean, I probably watched the show all the way through, like at least like six or seven times uh, since it first started. And uh, yeah, I mean, just I mean, obviously being a lot younger when I first saw it. Uh, obviously, there's characters of every age in that show and like the last time i noticed it is just like you start to identify with some characters more you start to identify with some characters less as yeah. your agent and that's uh, and so like the last time i watched it i was like oh shit this show is going to be uh being reevaluated by me for probably many more years so i know but that's a, that's what i'm excited about because at yeah, this yeah. like it's so many years later and I, I they recut the trailer right um on HBO Max for um, like a new audience. And so now they say oh, nice. from the creator of True Blood. So back then, of course, Paul <laughs> yeah, yeah. fucking yeah, yeah. badass for making this show. And now they're like from the creator of True Blood. And then they got Lena Dunham's like thing that's like, I, I could not help but cry like for days or something like at the ending of this series. And I'm just, I'm just like sitting there like with my girlfriend being like, just wait, like just wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't wait for her to experience this. It's a cool thing. So I wanted to tell you that. Hell yeah. Love to hear it. Ooh, I'm excited to hear it, the progression through the seasons and then uh, the reactions that you and uh, she gets. Yeah, for sure, man. So, all right, well, uh, I'm just going to sign it off here. I think we had a really good productive conversation about American movie amongst other things. Always great to head into the weekend feeling like really, really uh, connected to you through some art. So thanks for the conversation. Hell yeah, man. Best part of my week. So. All right, guys. Well, we'll see you next week on some mystery movie that Pat is going to uh, grace us with. And for Pat and I, have a great weekend and we'll uh, we'll talk to you next week. Talk to you later, bud. Right, see ya.